turn with me, please, to Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1. And we're going to read, and then you'll be seated. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a fast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Who is the Lord, and why should I obey him? Repeat those words after me, please. Who is the Lord, and why should I obey him? You may be seated. Who a person is often determines that person's role with people and the relationship that he or she will have with people. In one sense, this is very unfortunate because there are some people who won't have anything to do with anybody who does not fit their concept of who they would like their companions and their friends to be. They quickly identify with and consort with those who are well-known, who are powerful, but they ignore those who are not well-known or powerful. They relate to folk who lived in a certain kind of house, drive a certain kind of car, and they forget about the existence of those who don't live in that certain kind of house and drive a certain kind of car. They're friendly to people who are already in the in crowd, but they have nothing to do with folk who are not in the in crowd. It was for this reason and to deal with this tendency that the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Listen, we need to realize that everybody is somebody. Everybody is a person of value and a person of worth. Every person has a soul that Jesus Christ died to save and about which Jesus wants us to be concerned. But then on the other hand, it does make a difference who a person is. If someone drives up beside you and says, pull over, you better first check to see who it is. If it's the police, pull over. And if it isn't, it might be good to start looking for a policeman because you may be needing one real soon. There are some things that only mama and daddy can say and do to you. Everybody else better step back and never try. And if you don't step back, they'll tell you real good. Now listen, you are not my mama. You are not my daddy. My dad's name is Gus Jenkins. And if that's not your name, you better leave me alone. 
because I'm not going to stand for it. I'm not going to have it. All of us have heard somebody say, now just wait a minute. Who do you think you are? And the minute you heard that, you knew that the fireworks were about to start. What they actually meant was that they wanted to be told right away what authority, power, and relationship you think you have with them that would permit you to act and to speak to them in the way that you were talking. And so who a person is determines his role and his relationship to the folk who are around him. In Romans 13 and 7, Paul said, Render unto all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear is due, and honor to whom honor is due. Moses, the focus of our text for today, was amazed by a very strange phenomenon. A bush had been burning all day long, but the bush was not consumed. The bush was not burned up. Moses went near to see the sight. How is it that the fire is not consuming any fuel, but it's still burning? How is it that we have light and heat, but no fuel being burned up, no bush being consumed? It's just as green this evening as it was in the morning. I've got to draw near and, and see this sight. Listen, if you could uh, uh, solve that riddle, if you could uh, learn that secret, You'd be a billionaire, a trillionaire immediately. Who can create light without burning electricity or without burning fuel? Moses went by to see this great sight. As he approached, he heard a sound speaking to him saying, Listen, pull off your shoes. You're on holy ground. And out of the bush, God spoke to him and said, I am the God of your father, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And God went on to inform Moses that he intended to deliver his people Israel from bondage and from slavery under the Egyptians. And God said to Moses, come now, therefore, I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses asked God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And the question, who am I, is also a very important question. But when that question is asked and answered rightly, the result of the question is humility. And God can use only those who are really humble before him. Those who realize that they have nothing of great significance to offer. Those who would sing without God I would be nothing. James said, what is your life? It is but a vapor that appeareth for a time and then vanisheth away. And the psalmist in Psalm 34 and 4 said, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. And so in a sense, Moses said to God, Lord, you've given me a mammoth huge assignment and I'm nothing I, I, I have no might, no power who am I that I might do this great thing and God answered Moses 
as if to say, who you are is unimportant, but who I am is the most important thing. What I can do is the most important thing. And so Moses then asked the Lord, when they ask me, what is your name? What shall I tell them? And God said, Moses, you tell them, I am that I am. This name transliterated in the proper form is passed on to us as, tell him Jehovah. Tell him Yahweh sent you. And Yahweh means the self-existent one, the ever-present, ever-living one, a God performing what he has promised, a God perfecting and furnishing and finishing what he has started, a God who is the fountain and the source of all being, blessedness and wisdom. God being and doing whatever his love and wisdom call upon him to be and to do. A God who needs no source but himself. A God who can burn without consuming a bush. A God who can create light without fuel. That's who God is. If you think God is great, you ought to clap your hands and give praise to God. So after much conversation and many words, Moses finally went to Egypt to deliver God's people. He went straight to Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, and said, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Pharaoh, who was one of the most powerful rulers on the face of the earth, ruler of Egypt, one of the great nations of the world at that time. Pharaoh, with all might and power, looked down at Moses. I imagine Moses was dressed not in royal garments of nobility, but more likely he wore the clothing of a shepherd that he'd worn for 40 years as he watched Jethro's flocks in the wilderness. His clothing was probably rough and torn and tattered. Pharaoh looked down at him and had a little smile on his face and whispered to one of his captains, go outside and see what kind of army this fellow has with him that he would come and demand that I let God's people go. And the aide came back and said, he doesn't have anybody out there. He's by himself. Pharaoh said, he's by himself. Pharaoh was amazed. A ragged man with no army demanding that all of the Israelite slaves be set free in the name of the Lord God Jehovah of Israel. The Egyptians believed in many gods. So right away, Pharaoh began to call the role of his gods. See, they had eight great gods and 12 lesser gods and then a host of nature gods associated with various physical objects and geographic areas. And the two greatest gods were Ra, the sun god, and Osiris, the god of the Nile and the god of nature. This god, Jehovah, was not on any list that Pharaoh knew anything about. The God of Israel. Israel, you, you mean the God of my slaves? The God, the slave God? Is that the one you're talking about? Well, it can't be much of a God then, can he? Uh, if he was, then they wouldn't be slaves, would they? If he was as great as you say he is, then he would not have to ask me to set them free. He just set them free. 
Whether you believe it or not, a whole lot of people judge your God by looking at you. Pharaoh looked at Moses and he came to a low estimate of this God that Moses was talking about. It's a mistake for them to do that, but they do so just the same. They judge his love by determining how loving you are. Are you with me? They determine how just he is by determining how just you are. They learn how concerned he is about holiness and righteousness by observing how concerned you are about holiness and righteousness. People are looking at you to learn more about your God. What kind of God are you presenting to them when they look at you? So Pharaoh looked at Moses and when he finished his mental calculations, he decided the way Moses looked and the fact he'd never heard about this God, this God of his slaves, he decided that he could safely ignore God. <clears throat> he decided that he could ignore Moses and he decided that he could ignore Moses' request. He lifted up his head, arrogantly proclaimed, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Then he went on to say, as a matter of fact, the Israelites must not have enough to do if you're coming up in here messing with me. So I'm going to withhold straw that you use to make bricks, and I'm going to command that you produce more bricks than you produced before, but without straw, and straw was an essential element in the making of the bricks that they in their slavery made for the Israelites or the Egyptians to build their structures and their houses and their palaces and their pyramids. And Pharaoh said, I'm going to give them more work to do so I won't be bothered with this anymore. Who is the Lord? And why should I obey his voice? Someone in this house today is asking, who is the Lord? And why should I obey him? But with that, God began to show the Egyptians just who he was and why they should obey him. He began to warn them, listen, let my people go or else I'm going to send down plagues and judgment upon you. And each time he would send plagues and judgment down, they say, all right, we'll let him go. And then as soon as he would lift the plague, he would impose more judgment, uh, the Pharaoh would, upon uh, the children of Israel and, and make it worse for them. And then God would send another judgment down, and then they would back off, and uh, then he would release it, and then they would put them in slavery again and restrain them and hold them and, and he would punish him and bring down a plague and each plague would be increasingly severe and worse than the other one was but Pharaoh resisted God until he had no more strength to resist God and finally he resisted until he lost his very life. Each of the plagues, each of the disasters that was brought down upon the Egyptians illustrated the power and the might of God over all, but also reflected upon the powerlessness of some God that the Egyptians had worshipped. Worship a God of the Nile, which nourished and irrigated their land. But God caused the river Nile to turn to blood and red before their very eyes. They had a God with a frog's head called Haka. And so God caused frogs 
to be born and all over and cover every inch of the space, every inch of the land. They worshiped a God called Seb, the God of the soil. And so God cursed the soil and caused it to turn into lice. And so on each of the disasters showed the Egyptians and Pharaoh that God of Israel was greater than any God that they worshiped, any God that they served. And I just came back to tell you today that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Jesus Christ, is greater than anything you value, anything you reach out, anything that you might reach out for or rely upon. God is greater. Can I preach today? It's good to heed the warnings of the Lord. It's good to answer God and to obey God when God first calls upon you. God is the eternal reality who can make us and break us and is frutal and foolish to resist or to fight or to disobey almighty God. This is what Pharaoh found out. But when nothing else would make him respond, God allowed all the firstborn sons of the Egyptians to die. And then Pharaoh was willing to release the children of Israel and let them go. And you might ask, well, why would a good God allow such a judgment to come down upon them? But you remember just uh, many years before, the Egyptians and the Pharaoh were killing every Israelite child that was born because he thought that a deliverer might come and the Israelites might rise up and be mighty and powerful. And so he launched a genocidal crusade against all the Israelites and destroyed their sons. And so the judgment that he imposed upon others came down upon him. And listen, if you would really examine your situation, you would discover that your misfortunes are not a result of God's judgment. They are just the fruit and the result of wrong choices and wrong decisions that you have made. If you will examine it, if you're really truthful, you would admit that many of your misfortunes were brought down upon you by yourself, independent from God himself. And you've got to admit that what I faced was my fault. It was my fault. If I had not done what I did, I decided what I decided, I would never have had to go through what I went through. Is anybody in here listening to me today? And so after finding out the answer, to his question, Pharaoh still rebelled against God. He let the people of the Lord go, but once they left, he decided he was going to overtake them and capture them again. And so they came to the Red Sea. God opened it up that the children of Israel might go across, and then Pharaoh, with his crazy self, walked in between the wall of water that God had just brought his children through. He should have known not to go in there. He should have known that God had worked that miracle for his children and the same God that opened up the water could bring the water back. But up he walked up in between two walls of water and God allowed both of them to come in and destroy not only his army but also destroy the Pharaoh himself. There are many folk today who know about God but still refuse to obey God. I said there are some folk who know. About, he knew what God could do. But he obeyed God. He disobeyed God just the same. Listen, if you know who God is, and if you know what God can do, you ought to obey him. If you know I'm right, 
Clap your hands. I got. I need a praying church in here today. Who is the Lord? And why should I obey him? You should obey him, number one, because he's the sovereign creator of the universe. He has made us and everything that exists in the world. Is that a pretty good reason? The universe is not the result of some cosmic accident. The universe did not just happen to come into existence. It was conceived in the very mind of God and became a material reality when God spoke the words and said, let there be. Hallelujah. In his word, we find his testimony regarding himself. For God said in Isaiah 44 and 24, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth all by myself. He said in Isaiah 45 and 7, I form the light and I create the darkness. I make peace and I create destruction. He said in Isaiah 48 and 13, mine hand also has laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand has spanned the heavens. Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, he said these things. But then in the book of John, he said in reference to God the Son that all things were made by him and nothing was made without him. Nothing was made that was made. And everything has its origin in God. Everything exists because God brought them into existence. And so we ought to obey God, not only because he is the creator and the maker of everything that is, but we ought to obey God because he's the ruler and the administrator of the universe. Look at your neighbor and tell them God is in charge. You ought to obey God because he's in charge. All things are under his control. It may seem sometimes that this is not true, but it's because we simply all don't really understand and we have not waited until God got through with what God was doing. David said in 1 Chronicles 29 and 11, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty and all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from thee. Thou reignest over all. In thine hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Somebody ought to be getting mad about the God you serve. Psalm 89 and 9 says, Thou rulest the raging of the sea. And the ways thereof arise, and you still them. You have a mighty arm, strong is your hand, and high is your right hand. Oh God, is there anything too hard for thee? And so you ought to obey him because he made everything, and everything belongs to him. And, and you ought to obey him because he has all power and all might. It is in God that we live. It's in God that we have our being. It's in God that we exist. And without God, there would be no living. There'd be no moving. There would be no being. Would you tell your neighbor, I need the Lord. You need him because he's creator. You need him because he's all powerful. But you also need him because he's all wise. I said he's all wise. Psalm 147 and 4 says that he telleth the number of the stars. And he calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. God knows everything. Would you tell somebody God knows everything? His wisdom is as high above ours as are the heavens above the earth. He knows my strength. 
He knows my weaknesses. He knows my thoughts. He knows about my problems. He knows about my trouble. He knows who's for me, and he knows who's against me. He sees that jealous heart behind that smiling face. He knows every pitfall that stands in my way. He knows the end of every road and the result of every decision. He knows what's best and he knows what's worst. He knows the destiny of nations and the future of powers. God knows tomorrow just like he knows today. His knowledge is so complete that God can never make a mistake. Tell your neighbor, God can never make a mistake. There is no limit to the wisdom of God and you ought to follow him because he knows everything. He knows the future just like you know the past. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end of that way is the way of death. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. I'm so glad I don't have to discern the way. All I've got to do is follow him because he knows the right way. He knows what's best and he knows what's worse. And if I obey, I can walk into the blessing of Almighty God. Clap your hands and praise him. Oh, praise him. Oh, praise him. We ought to obey him because he made everything. He has all power. Oh, yes, he does. And he knows everything. We are so faulty, so frail, that when we do what we want to do, we make mistakes because we don't know. How many of you have been in trouble because of something you did not know and a mistake that you made? Your knowledge was not broad enough, but the knowledge of God is impeccable. The knowledge of God is never mistaken. And God has shared with us his knowledge in his word. And the psalmist said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. And so God is all wise, but then God is also everywhere. Tell your neighbor he's everywhere. Oh yes he is. Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah 23 and 24, God asked a question and he said, do not I feel both heaven and earth that wants to let you know that no place on earth is beyond God's control. No place on earth is beyond his reach or his influence. No part of the universe is free from the presence of God. David said in Psalm 139 and verse 7, where shall I go from your spirit or whither shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there, look at somebody saying, tell them even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall uphold me. God is everywhere. God is everywhere mighty, everywhere powerful, everywhere glorious. You ought to obey him because you can't go nowhere. 
where he is not. And if he's already there, then be not dismayed. For there but time, God will, I said God will, take care of you. However I go, wherever I be, if he's there, then I'm alright. I'm going to obey him because he's everywhere. And so you ought to obey God because he made everything. Because he's all powerful. Because he has all might. You ought to obey him because he's all wise. Nothing that he does not know. You ought to obey him because he's everywhere. Everywhere you can go. God in all of his might and power is there to take care of you. But let me tell you one more thing. You ought to obey him because he loves you. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. What a glorious revelation. God loves you. God wants your fellowship. God wants your loving response. God wants you to accept his love and his gift for you. God wants to be real in your life. He's calling you even now. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die or for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love. God loved us so much that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you. Your economic level does not matter. You may be rich or you may be poor. Your race or your nationality does not matter. You may come from the hog pit of wickedness and vice. You may have eaten the husk of shame and disgrace, but God loves you and God will forgive you and draw you unto himself. You can't go beyond the boundary of the love of God. He loves you no matter who you are. He loves you no matter whom you become. His love is higher than any mountain, deeper than any valley. You might say, I'm too wicked for God to love me. I've gone beyond the love of God. I've done things I hate myself for doing. I'm worthless and I'm wicked, but I'd still say God loves you just the same. He gave his son for you. God in Jesus Christ has already forgiven you. I don't care how low you are. God loves you just the same. I will put my law and my word in your heart. I'll forgive, I'll forget, I'll take your sins, I'll cast them into a sea of forgetfulness. I'll place there a no fishing sign so nobody can go and bring them up before me again. The love of God, oh the love of God, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and it reaches down to the lowest hell. If all of the heavens were a scroll, and if all the oceans were made out of ink, if every stalk on earth were a pen, 
And if every man were a scribe by trade to write the love of God would drain the ocean dry and the sky scroll could not hold everything that they would write about the love of God. God loves you. Would you tell three people, God, oh God is in love with you and God is in love with me. Come on, let's praise him. Praise him. Praise him for his love. Praise him for his mercy. Praise him for his goodness. God loves you. God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus. I said Jesus all the way from heaven down. Jesus descended from heaven, wrapped himself in human flesh. He said, I love them so much. I'll give up my life that they might live, that they might have life and that more abundantly. You ought to obey God because the love of God has been given and extended toward you. And because he loves you, you ought to love him enough to do his will. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Somebody ought to say, Lord, I love you because you can turn my life all the way around. Lord, I love you. He loved you so much that he gave Jesus to die. He died on the cross. He was buried in a grave. But on the third day morning, he got up from the grave. And if he had the third day, he can give you a third day. I said, if he got up, he can help you get up out of your distress, out of your trouble, out of your misery, out of distress. Look at your name and say, neighbor, get up by the power of God. Hallelujah. God, I said, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue shall confess. You ought to obey him because he's king of kings, Lord of lords, wounded by our transgressions, bruised by iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. Jesus got up. You ought to obey him because you're not going to be on this earth forever. This body that you're living in is going to grow weak and grow sick and is going to die. But your soul will live on either in heaven or in hell. Heaven is for those that obey him, love him, follow him, serve him. Listen, don't worry if you hear my homecoming. Don't worry if you hear that Bishop Blake is no longer on this earth. Don't worry if life ebbs out of this body. Don't worry if I leave this earth. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. The angels beckon me through heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. The Bible says these are they. These are they who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb coming on up through 
great tribulation. Child of God, if you put your hand in the hand of God, if you obey the word of God, don't worry about coming to the end of this earthly walk. This life on earth is just for a while, but eternity is forever. And when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Yes, I don't know about you, but I'm going up yonder to reign in Jerusalem, going up yonder to ring those bells. Why don't you praise him? Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. You're going to die. You're going to come to the end of this earthly walk. But when you come to the end, if you love God, if you serve God, Jesus of resurrection is going to be right there to take you by the hand. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. The trump of God shall sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. We that are alive and remain are going to be changed. They want to go to heaven. They want to hear God say, well done. Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your power. I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. Thank you that you forgive me. Thank you that you bless me. I'll say yes. Lift your hand and say, Lord, I'll say yes. Help me to say yes. Give me power to say yes. Let the Holy Ghost give me strength, power, and might to walk in your way. Help me to do your will. Help me to bless your name. Say, help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Yes. God will help you. God will help you. If you want to obey, God will help you. God will give you strength. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is coming to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Tell your neighbor, I'm so glad that God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but he will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Tell your neighbor, you can make it. You can make it. Oh, you can make it in the name of Jesus. Come on and praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Paul said, I know I'm not going to fail. I know I'm not going to be defeated. I know everything's going to be all right. I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able, able. Tell three people he's able. Tell him he's able. Tell him he's able, able. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Jude said, Jude said, he's able to keep you from falling 
and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, the glory and majesty, dominion and power. Tell two folk you don't have to fall. You can lean on Jesus. He'll help you. He'll bring you through. Come on, lift up those hands and say, Lord, I want to love you. I want to serve you. Help me to do your will. Help me to obey your voice. Tell him yes. the safest place in the whole wide world is in the will of God. If God can get you to that place, then God will go get your blessing and he'll bring them to that place. He'll go get your healing and he'll bring it to that place. He'll go get your joy. He'll bring it to that place. Lord, help me to get in that place. Help me to stay there in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on and praise him. Hallelujah. Help me praise him. Help me praise him. Help me praise him. Help me praise him.
everybody and give praise to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. Who is the Lord? Why should I obey him? You should obey him because he made the universe. He owns the universe. You and everything in the universe belongs to God. You should obey him because he's a God of power. He has control of you and everything around you. And his word tells you how you can be blessed. And so you should obey him. You should obey him because he's the all-wise God. And he knows what's best. Knows the end of every road. You ought to obey him because he's everywhere. I said he's everywhere. Nowhere you can go and escape the presence of Almighty God. And finally, you ought to obey him because he is in love with you. And when you reject his will, you're rejecting the will of the all-wise God who is in love with you and doing nothing but trying to help you become what you need to become in life and bless you by his power. And so you should obey him because he gave his son Jesus, to die for your sins. Jesus arose from the dead that you might have abundant life. I want to pray for somebody who does not know the Lord. I want to pray for somebody who's not saved. Pray for somebody who wants Jesus to be Lord of your life. You're tired of trying to handle things on your own and by yourself. You want God to step into your life guide and direct and make your life everything that your life can be. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. That's God's will for you. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I will pray for you right where you stand. Right where you are, I'll bring you before the Lord in prayer. The Lord will forgive your sins, come into your life. Jesus Christ will become Lord of your life and you'll never be the same again. If you're here today and you want to be saved, I'll pray for you right where you are. But I need to know that you desire prayer. If you would say, preacher, pray for me. Lift up your hand, hold it high. Pray for me, preacher. 
I need God. I need my sins forgiven. I need God's help. I need God's power. I want to be the person God would have me to be. I want to experience all that God would have me to experience. I want God to be my God and Jesus Christ to be my Savior. If that's you, lift that hand again. Hold it high, please. Don't lower it until I tell you to let it down. Let that hand be lifted until I tell you to lower that hand. Let me pray. Dear Lord, I pray for every uplifted hand in this room. I pray to God that you, by your power, will come into the heart, into the soul, into the life of every individual who invites you in right now. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for them. You will receive them, accept them. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Save them, O God, in Jesus' name. Change their lives. Change their hearts. Let them never again be the same by your power. Repeat this prayer after me, please. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for my sin. I believe he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord. I give my life to him. And I say yes to God. Yes for my life. Yes in my heart. Yes in my mind. And I thank you, Lord. I am forgiven. I am saved. I have new life. Let's praise God for salvation all over the room. Praise him. Praise him. Come on and praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. In the name of